Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast. And uh, I am joined by a very special first time guest today, one of our nominated elders, Andrea Jago Lynette. Andrea, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Uh, many of us don't know you, so first things first, uh, let's just get into your life a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, personal background, family background, all that kind of stuff. Okay, happy to do that. So um, I am a, I will go straight to this, I'm a 53-year-old married uh, woman, very happily married woman. Uh, Bill and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary we have two wonderful sons. One is 22. His name's Malcolm, and one is 20. His name is Kanan. Both Bill and I um, are educators. My husband works as a teacher, and I work as a principal. And uh, recently, you that was kind of a promotion from uh, the vice principal role. I remember my uh, son goes to Eden, and I, I met you, aside from Welland, uh, as the VP at Eden. So that would make a bit of a connection for uh, some of our members out there. Uh, talk about your most recent uh, now role moving on from the VP job at Eden? Yeah, it's a really exciting place to be. Um, I am the system principal for student success for the District School, School Board of Niagara. So I am charged with leading the key initiatives that we have going on within our board to make sure all students can be successful. It's an absolutely amazing job, and I am just thrilled uh, to have been placed in this position. Yeah, sounds like a real sweet spot for you. Mm -hmm. um, interesting little side note, we've talked about this privately before, but uh, before I knew you and before I'd made the connection to you and Bill, uh, years ago, I bought a boat off a guy and it was just a guy I'd met on Kijiji and we met down, did a water test at the Beacon and whatever. And it turns out that was your husband, Bill, and your boat. So... Your old boat is now in my garage and still purring like a kitten. You'll be happy to know. <laughs> awesome. Um, Andrew, give us a bit of background just on uh, kind of your church background and, and how you ended up at Southridge because you've been around for now about uh, three, four years. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, give us that story. Yeah, so um, I am one of the lucky people that have been raised in a church right from my birth, frankly. And um, my early years, I'm third generation, I was third generation um, of a Pentecostal family. And then, um, yeah, as time passed on and Bill and I stayed, uh, started looking for a place together once we had met, um, we landed at a BIC church, which is now known as a Be in Christ church, which we were at for a very long time. And... Um, a few things came together that indicated to us that it was time that we were actually going to have to look for another place to be. Um, it was a sad time, and it was kind of a sad, challenging journey, but um, we'd made the decision that we were going to go explore some other churches, um, and the very first one we went to explore was Southridge Welland, and um, we ended up not exploring any other churches. There were so many things that happened uh, the very first Sunday we were there where the intentionality we recognized on what the church was about, the ethos of the church, just was like a really, really strong connection with what we were looking for and uh, where we thought we would be able to serve well. And since then, you've kind of dove in with both feet. And so... Uh, just give us a bit of description in our Welland location. What are some of the ways that you've been involved uh, around Southridge lately? Well, um, we were invited to be life group leaders, which was an absolutely amazing opportunity. So we have fully embraced that for the last uh, couple of years. 
Um, love to be in that position, love uh, the relationships that we've been able to develop through that. We were also blessed to be able to join into the Harvest Kitchen initiative. That's a really big piece of um, the anchor cause at, at Welland. Yeah, since we've got this permanent location now the last year or so uh, and been able to launch these two food programs, it sounds like you guys have now uh, jumped in, hook, line, and sinker into that too, and uh, been another real expression uh, of compassion and care uh, for those who, who need it most, which has really been cool to see. Um, Andrew, the whole point of this podcast is to give our members a little bit of <clears throat> a taste to just kind of get to know you a little more because at the end of this month, uh, we're going to affirm... Uh, the elder recommendations of you and your uh, partner in crime in Welland, Rick Prince. And uh, so we just want to uh, kind of get into the conversation, I guess, a little bit of this eldership appointment process, just to let people uh, get a bit of a window into what the board has had a window into these last number of months. Um, one of the themes that we discuss in the eldership interviews uh, is what we call aspiring to eldership. The idea of whether people actually want to do this job, whether they feel called to it, whether they're into it. So uh, can you just comment on why you personally would have aspired to this role or where that sense for you comes from? Yeah, and um, it's, it's a journey, certainly a bit of a journey, I would say. I, um, I know that I've been wired. God has created me to have a very, very soft heart all the way through my life. And again, far from perfect, not always acting in a perfect manner, but I know I've been given a soft heart for a reason. And again, a major theme in my life is just always wanting to be there to support people, support people that are really struggling, kind of being sometimes the champion of the underdog, and just quietly going about doing things to be in a place where I can be helpful for people. And always intertwined with that is my strong faith and connection with the work that Jesus does in my own life. And um, just, again, quietly going about doing things to help people um, has landed me in a space many, many times where I've been invited into leadership roles. Again, huge theme throughout my life, even in my professional uh, career. Um, So with this situation, um, we landed at Southridge and again, just Doing, doing my thing, doing our thing, just being in a place where we're, we're connecting with people, loving them, inviting them into a journey of truth-seeking, which is a really big part of, of who I am as well. And um, through that process, I was invited slash encouraged to consider being an elder because folks around me thought that I could be in a place where I could be helpful to to kind of connect or to, to bring along that, that message of the importance of, of loving people and the church being there to be the place where people can be loved. So I was pushed a little bit um, by some friends around me and invited through this process. And, you know, after much reflection and prayer, um, the main message that I was getting, and one, it, frankly, it came from my son very, very strongly, was people that are in a position to do right and good in this world really have the obligation to do that. So to try to reduce the harm and suffering and to enter into a place where, where we can make this world a better place to be. And that's what I see very as being a very big piece of what eldership is. Yeah, very cool. <clears throat> I mean, that, that just as a bit of a note for all of our members to remember, uh, any nominee... 
by virtue of the fact that their nominee got nominated by someone. And so there is a crew uh, in Welland that has observed this leadership and care for people and uh, the availability to be used by God in these ways. And uh, it's pretty cool when those friends and community members come alongside you and say, hey, I see this in you. Would you consider letting your name stand? And uh, then, of course, you get the email that you've been nominated and you have to reflect on, wow, am I going to go for it or not? And uh, it's cool that you that you were willing to to go through that process. Um, just comment a little bit, Andrea, on your understanding, and maybe it's unique to Southridge, but I know you've got other church experience. What What is your sense of what elders do, or at least do around here, that you're most looking to help support? Again, it's, it's being a, a very big piece of helping Southridge to be its best version, and that touches on a lot of different places. Um, it's definitely a leadership role, but uh, we have to be careful in how we define leadership. Um, leadership is always a place that's just filled with humility, so you're there to help lead others and to help people, again, to be the very best they can be. So, you know, you're connected. The elders group is a group of people that get together and intentionally lead the church and hear about the direction the church should be going from the people that are there. And again, very, very connected or try to be uh, very, very connected with where God is leading us. And um, again, looking for wisdom, seeking wisdom. So back to Southridge can be the very best version of itself. Cool. Cool. Uh, another major theme in the discernment process, and we spend a lot of conversation uh, in the interviews talking about this, uh, is the idea of suitability or fit. Um, talk a little bit about just your previous church and leader, leadership experiences that you bring to this role. Uh, these are very relevant details, and I think it'll help our, our membership get to know you a little bit better uh, in that regard. So kind of a bit of a resume, knowing that you know, you're coming at it from a place of humility. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, it was uh, there's this general theme of being able to act on my soft heart and the wisdom that kind of God God guides me with. Um, being invited to be in places of leadership. So in the previous church, I was on their church board. I believe it was six years when uh, we end ended up leaving the church. Uh, sadly. And during that time, I was also invited to be on their conference board to be overseeing or part of the overseeing process for all of uh, BIC, so Be in Christ uh, Canada. Yeah, so I don't know how many of our members are are familiar with that denomination. We're often referred to as kissing cousins of the BIC or now the Be in Christ. Uh, That's the denomination that the Meeting House out of Oakville, a large multi-site church there, is a part of. And so just to get our bearings on uh, what you've been involved in, in serving that denomination at their, uh, in their national board. And uh, the executive director there, I know in the reference checking, I had a conversation with him. And uh, I mean, his, his comment was basically, you'll be lucky to have her. So uh, it, was, it was pretty cool to hear and uh, to know that you're bringing a lot of that local and even beyond local church uh, perspective to the table here at Southridge. Um, you talked earlier about uh, kind of this new job promotion. In your professional life, what are some of the experiences or learnings that you feel like you can bring to church leadership that have helped you feel prepare you for this role? The the connection between the two is just actually quite astounding for me because so many of the things I could, like the way I could describe my, my professional 
uh, position does very much overlap with what happens on a board of elders. So as I mentioned, I am blessed to be in a position where I get to do really, really good things for kids. And in that leadership place, um, I'm helping others to be the best version of themselves as leaders so they can then impact others. And it just kind of goes down goes down the chain that way. Um, and the leadership piece, as I mentioned already, is all about humility. And it's, it's all about understanding that we don't have the wisdom, but we're seeking the wisdom as a group. And that, again, is a huge part of what we do, what I do in my, my job. And I see that happening at the elders table as well, where um, as we make important decisions that are going to really impact people and people's well-being, we need to seek out the wisdom of others. And in that space, always being relational and being in a place where you want to be helpful to people. Like, um, and um, even when there's conflict, and often there is conflict, coming at it from a place where everybody feels respected and there's the understanding that we are going to come to a good decision and we're all going to be in a place where we can live with the decision being made and, again, trying to focus on that decision, the main piece being how can we best serve the people that are around us and that we're impacting? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. This is now you've mentioned a couple of times, just in a few short minutes, uh, the term humility as synonymous with leadership. It reminds me of the, 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 talk in the James series that we've been working through in James chapter three, where he says that the kinds of people in your community that ought to be given a voice will demonstrate, he says, a humility that comes from wisdom. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing that we're reminded of, especially with our board of elders who kind of sit at the top of the top of the top in our, in our church, it's that none of us are actually in charge. This is Jesus' church. Christ is the head of the church. And so that the underlying posture of humility is really essential for God to work through and have his way among us, isn't it? In a, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me in your, in your experience that that's a, a big thing that you learn uh, when you're in leadership roles. Uh, anything else, I don't want to stump you, but a- anything else in your leadership background, either uh, professionally or in church or family or whatever, that you would say, if I, if I have learned one thing about leadership, it's this. I think it's the importance of letting people around you know that their voice matters. In fact, I can say with certainty that is the biggest piece. The people that you're surrounding, the people you're representing, the people you're speaking for, you need to know what they're thinking, what they're feeling, getting a strong sense of what their needs are, and then how can we enter in to help support everybody that's being impacted by this. Terrific. Um, Let's shift gears again then. Another major theme in the discernment process for new elders, knowing that there's, you know, multiple people that are nominated, multiple people go through at least a a first round of interviews and then things kind of whittle down from there. But one of the things I know the board looks at every time is the diversity of strengths and perspectives that individuals could bring to the team and ultimately to the church in order to make our board better and ultimately to make our our church better and so from that perspective andrea what would you say are some of the the strengths that you uniquely bring to a group like this i hope or i'm not sure how totally unique they are but i would say a really big piece um, of me is just this 
interesting interplay of being raised in this very, very conservative understanding of Christianity and being like totally all in as a child with that. And then through a series of events, and I strongly believe God has been connected to all of them, being in a place where I'm rethinking so much of that in a truth-seeking manner. I, I think that describes my life. It's like a journey towards truth. And again, with fully recognizing I make mistakes and <laughs> don't have complete wisdom, that that deconstructing process that has been a huge part of my life and it continues to be a huge part of my life has placed me in... A, I'm positioned to rethink and see things differently than a lot of folks that are, are, are part of a traditional North American Protestant church. And connected to the heart, the soft heart God has given me, I think I'm just very, very aware and tuned into places where some traditional church things have really hurt people, including me, okay? Um, and having experienced that, it gives me a very, it gives me a very unique way of seeing a lot of things and just questioning is, is that something that's going to create a church that embraces people and brings people together and shows them Christ's love and demonstrate what true Christianity is about or not? And I think a lot of the, the past things that we kind of based our church culture on really do get in the way of that truth. And I'm, again, I'm very, very thankful for that journey. Um, as I said, it, it has been painful. I've, I've been through a lot and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not resentful of that in any way because it's allowed me to, I think, have be in a place where I understand other people's hurts a lot. And then being blessed to be in this, these positions of responsibility where I actually have a voice. I think I'm, I think that will be very helpful for the board. I mean, I, I, do, I do already see Southridge as a church that intentionally looks to truth-seeking and how can we best serve people and how are we truly representing Jesus with what we do. But I think I might be able to push that a little little further than we're already there. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing that, you know, when you're asked, hey, what, what's the... What's the primary strength that you're going to bring to the table? Your your instinctive reaction, and I know this was the same in the interview process. I sat in on some of these conversations. Uh, was basically just my own faith journey. Yeah, right. My yeah, own yeah. faith journey, and it reminds me again of this passage from James three about who ought to have a voice. That the the reason James says, if you remember, what was probably a very uh, forgettable message. Um, <laughs> the reason you're looking for a humility that comes from wisdom is so that the people whose voices are allowed to have the greatest influence are the people who are allowing God the greatest influence in their life so that God can influence them as they influence others. And to show up here and say, hey, I'm about to embark on this daunting journey as a member of the Board of Elders here at Southridge. And the number one thing that I'm bringing is an open and changing and growing faith journey. Uh, I hope our members who are listening are encouraged by that because you're looking to be influenced by God and looking to be changed by God and looking to grow in, you're referring to truth seeking, to, to discover Jesus' vision for your life and ours together. And it's it's really that that kind of number one asset to to steward with our team. And I think, you know, speaking on behalf of our, our board of elders, I know that they're excited to, uh, to receive some more of that. Um, anything else, just at a very practical level, skill sets, whatever, that you feel like you are bringing to the board, either to make it stronger or to provide a greater diversity to it? Um, again, I think the deep understanding of um, 
I mentioned the humility piece. I mean, I'm a big fan of Patrick Lancioni and his management ideas around um, best decisions get made in a team approach, looking at the qualities of humble, hungry, smart, and understanding that best decisions come out of a diverse group of people. So you have a situation happening and you're trying to figure out the best answer, best solution. The people at the table coming at it from a variety of voices, a variety of experiences and totally respecting that and being in a place of trust and mutuality where everybody can share and then you work through wisdom and the consensus piece. I deeply understand that. And I don't, I think that's some, I mean, I understand that is how the board operates and I think I'll be able to um, even further affirm that and be a part of it. That's not going to be um, something that's going to take me a long time to dive into. I think I'll be able to be helpful with that process right from the get-go. Right, right from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, there, uh, we talked about this before in previous podcasts, but our, our board of elders functions as a plurality. So it's a, a set of individuals that ultimately try to gain a consensus or a, a sense from God. You know, there's that verse in the Proverbs that says wisdom comes through many counselors. That's the idea of the board. And then in the Council of Jerusalem in, in uh, the book of Acts, you see them making decisions where they say, you know, having given consideration, they said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And for our members listening, that's really the finish line that we try to get to in conversations with our elders. And so uh, to bring some of those skills, listening and contributing in those ways, Andrea, is going to be uh, a huge strength to, to make our board and ultimately our church better. Uh, one additional uh, just comment I'd love you to speak on when it comes to diversity. Uh, this is actually the first time that our board has formally gotten to the place where we can recommend someone from our Welland location. Mm. <laughs> uh, what value are we going to gain from having some direct Welland representation on the board? Well, here's my thoughts on that. Um, I love being part of the Welland Community uh, Church, and it, it's an amazing place. And I have to admit, it's a church like I've never experienced before. Um, I think with having representation, the biggest thing that's going to happen, actually, there's two big things that's going to happen. One is the connection point. So the folks at our church, I think, will have, an, I trust, will have an opportunity to feel more connected to everything Southridge, to what's going on at, at the, the, the board table, um, to feel like they have a voice. Yeah, because right now we send elders. We've got an elder schedule, and every Sunday morning in Welland, there's one or two board members who kind of visit and try to make themselves available to connect with people. But it's it's really from a distance in that visitation sort of way. It, it's not regular contact and certainly not you know regular accessibility during the week. And so I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, and again, I'm there with my set of strengths, but also I'm there one of the one of my roles is to understand what's happening amongst other folks at my church, you know, and to purposefully seek that out. So the connection point there, but also the other connection point with our church having a deeper, or the well and location having a deeper understanding of Southridge itself too. So it goes both ways, you know? Um, Yeah, just a stronger connection. And I think the idea of folks um, at the elders' table having a deeper understanding of what's going on in Welland. Yeah, absolutely. Even apart from the connection point, but just having a much deeper understanding of what's happening and how we can support the best way and... um, just being more connected to it, I think, is it will be a really big plus. I, I agree. And having two of you now, I mean, it's not just that we've got one, you know, 
isolated agent there <laughs> on their own. You know, now we're going to get a diversity of perspectives, even from Welland, right? right? In, in you and Rick and uh, your different social circles and networks and things like that. So uh, that's going to be pretty cool too. Uh, let's shift gears then and just get some of your perspectives just on faith and church in general. Uh, you mentioned, Andrea, that you've grown up in the church uh, pretty much all your life and had a few different kind of denominational experiences, if you want to umbrella it that way. Um, what, what do you just love about your life of faith these days? Let's start there. I love, and I'm going to go back to this again, the deconstructing process happening and just like fully understanding and embracing that that's one of the ways that God is really speaking to me. I feel so confident that I am journeying, that God is journeying alongside me or I'm journeying alongside God in that. It's, I'm just getting so used to that cycle of learning and more deeply understanding truth and just getting stronger and stronger um, in, in knowing that God is there and trusting that, you know, from as I live longer, seeing the big picture and seeing how things get reconciled, you know, we are, there's no doubt, uh, we live in a broken world and, and it's challenging and it, it's hard, but the more secure you can be in knowing that God is alongside you no matter what happens is just an amazing place to be. And I am just very, very thankful for that. It's interesting. I can't even remember. I think it was recently, maybe even last Sunday, the verse, the verses around Jesus suggesting cast your net on the other side of the boat. Oh, right, yeah. I think that was a pre, uh, a pre, uh, pre sermon. The charcoal piece, fire. The charcoal yeah. fire. Yeah. It was interesting. I had this like this 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 thought all of a sudden um, that I'd never thought about before around that, and it's just one way of looking at cast your net on the other side is allowing God to rewrite your story and to see your narrative through very very different eyes. That's where it really connected, and more and more I feel like I'm seeing my narrative, the narrative of my life, through God's eyes. Far from perfect. But even looking at the verses we were uh, focused on this morning in church and Corinthians as well, um, just that idea that God does see the whole picture and we only get bits and pieces of it. But just the strong belief that God is showing me more of that and uh, seeing once again how things do reconcile, no matter how tough life is, no matter what comes your way, God is there. You know, and I just feel it more strongly than ever in my life. Um, related to that, I mean, you've grown up in church and experienced all kinds of things locally and even at a, at a broader level with regards to church, uh, and you're still into it. What What is it that you love about the church and God's vision for it? I think, th and, and, and I'm thankful that I get to actually have these kind of big dig deep talks with myself around this. Okay. Okay, Andrea. This is you convincing yourself that you're into the church, right? Yeah. So what, you know, Andrea, what role does the church play? You know, what, what good is it? How about that? Yeah. What good yeah. is it? And I strongly believe it is our best way of connecting with each other and growing together in growing in God. Okay. When a church is functioning the way a church should function, it really is, uh, you know, God's hands on earth, and the people that are in it are able to grow and to be stronger in their faith that allows them to do good things, 
you know, and to be connected with people and to help support each other in that. There's just something that's very real about that. And that's, you know, it, it's been set up this way on purpose. We can grow together. Um, and just that strong sense, actually, I, I might go on a kind of slightly different tangent with this, though, um, that strong sense of belonging that is really, really a big piece of who we are as humans that God created us. The church needs to be a place where people can have that strong sense of belonging. Yeah. And again, when it's working well, um, it just helps people to be the best version of themselves with God being a big part of that or the main part of that. Uh, you mentioned in your own story that uh, you are not immune to pain in the church. Uh, anyone who's been around for probably more than one Sunday has probably experienced <laughs> some degree of pain. And the more years you're into it, the more kind of battle scars of being part of close faith community you, you probably bear. Um, to people listening and and more for people who the people who are listening know, uh, who have experienced pain and maybe given up or been tempted to given up to give up on church um what would you say as someone who's been through pain and not given up on the church uh what would you say to that person who's tempted to give up on the church because they've experienced or they are experiencing pain in it in practical terms i'm going to go deeper than that but right. in practical terms if you're one of those people feeling that way reach out to someone you trust and have the most honest dialogue of your life with them Okay, um, it's yeah. Find somebody, and I do trust that there is somebody you can reach out to and really, really talk. Someone that you 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 would um, value their thoughts on things as well. But just be so real. I so believe in that God wants us to be real and to recognize the pain and not to feel like we have to be fake about anything. I think it's quite okay to say, you know, I'm feeling really lonely. I feel like I've been let down. I feel like. People are fake. Um, yeah. You know, I could go on and on and on beating up the things that go wrong in yeah, the church. Yeah. And you know what? Those things do happen. Okay. So don't beat your up, yourself up saying, you know, it must be something wrong with me because I see it this way. Maybe you are seeing the truth. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's, it, it's, in, it's the best thing to do is just give up on it because there are good things there. And um, getting connected to those good things. And again, back to find someone that you can really talk through this honestly with. Um, in the big picture of things, I think we have the huge, important task of making sure the church is the safest place in this whole world to be. And it often isn't. Um, just the way things are, the way people are, the way our culture is in, you know, in the Western world. Quite often, churches are kind of akin to country clubs. I mean, that's actually been talked about yeah, with, yeah. With, with teaching. Yeah. But that's huge, you know, where you have this long list of um, secret or unwritten tick boxes. So as long as you can tick all those boxes, then you're in. Yeah which is just so far from the reality and the truth of what the church should be about. And I think it's really, really important if you're in a position where you can influence that, that you push back and you fight and you make sure that the church is not that kind of place. Uh, teasing that out a little bit, because I wanted to move into some sense of just vision for the church. As you kind of survey the church in Canada these days, or maybe specifically the church around the Niagara region, you know, part of our harvest field here in Niagara, 
you know, what do you see the church wrestling with? And maybe the same question, uh, frame more positively, what are the greatest opportunities you see for the church in this next era of it? I think the greatest opportunity is to dive into people's to, to need, to actually continue to dive in to meeting people at the place of their need. We are God's hands on earth. I do believe that you know, in order for our world to get better and for us to move towards the vision God had for what our world should look like, that um, people that are connected to God and in the church, their responsibility, there's a high level of responsibility to reach out to need. And the need is twofold. I mean, it's spiritual. There's no doubt about that. We need to serve people spiritually and, and help them to, again, be the best version of them through God's work within their spirit. But that doesn't go without um, less spiritual needs and paying attention to them. And I think that's one of the things that uh, really hit home with us when we first entered Welland, Southridge, was the focus on we are here to serve people, you know. And I think there's huge opportunity to really dive into how do you serve people. I'm going to go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs where there's this sense of belonging. Uh, as a VP, I often talked in terms of or tried, tried to understand some teenage behavior in terms of in Canada and Ontario, we pretty much are clothed, fed, and sheltered. Then the next level of need as humans, that God created humans, is that sense of belonging. And I think teenagers really struggle with that. But let's revisit what I just said, the assumption that people are clothed and fed and sheltered. No, they're not. Not always. Not always. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be in a, in a country such as ours with all of our wealth and riches, the idea that there are people that struggle in those areas just seems so wrong. And I think that's an amazing area for the church to be paying attention to. And I'm very thankful that we do. And I'd love, I, I see a vision or I, I get a sense that we're going to be able to do more in those areas. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, along those lines, and you shared this in your elder interviews, um, right from the very first Sunday that you and Bill and your family kind of visited, uh, you started to notice some things. And it was these things that you noticed that kind of grabbed your heart, specifically for, for Southridge. Can you just talk about a few of those as we shift gears and talk about your sense of the potential and future for our church now together? Yeah, I'll try to touch on, on some of the things, see if I'm still remembering yeah, exactly. as well as I was a few weeks ago. Um, you know, walking in, uh, the intentionality, again, of being brand new there, but the intentionality of someone greeting us immediately and showing us around and connecting us to people right from the start. So that connection and that sense of belonging, that starting that process immediately. Um, I remember somebody walking us right into our seats. Um, I said I remembered uh, the amazing starting banner where we talked about where it talked about all the people that are welcome, and it touched on yeah, a lot the of different video. Yeah, yeah, but definitely you know gay, straight. Um, I can't remember the other ones. Maybe it was short and yeah, tall right. and Younger liberal, old, conservative, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just a whole bunch of things, and just the recognition that we are a church that welcomes everybody, and that's important to us. I recognize the female leadership right from the start as well, which I think is really, really, really important. Um, again, I remember Mike Krause's teaching. I just don't remember what he taught, but I just remember it was so real 
And it was obvious that he's certainly into truth-seeking as well and diving into what the Bible has to say about things. Um, And just the overall feeling that the church, that church, that congregation, the intentionality of trying to bring people together. I also noticed a couple of folks I knew um, from a few years back in my career that um, I, I knew would did not exactly fit the traditional role of churchgoers, not the, you know, the middle right. class, right. The whatever. what it means to be, yeah. And there they were, and one of them was actually serving. And I was just like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. This is just so, so cool that someone that is not a stereotypical uh, church member is there. Um, and again, being part of that community and, and, and being supported by that community, I'm sure, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you look ahead, and I can already get a sense for some passion and vision for the church and specifically for our church, um, what kinds of opportunities and challenges do you, do you see us as a church facing in these coming eras? That's a, that's a, that's a challenging question when we talk about challenges and such. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot in very broad terms. I think there's a lot of mistrust um, in Western world about what churches are up to because a lot of bad things have happened. There's a lot of stuff in the media where I find myself going, no, 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 I'm not part of that. I don't want to be part of that. That's not who we are. So to be a church that actually um, is not like that and that people on the outside, people that are not part of the church can actually go, wow, they do care about people. There's something special going on here because they go so far for loving people. And having the community trust us in that way, I think, is a huge opportunity. I, I, and again, it goes back to being God's hands on earth and the ethos of who we are, the importance of building spiritually who we are, but also of serving people. And I think that is... Um, a huge opportunity in the future because it then it, it lets so many people know who God is because this church is actually behaving the way that a church should be behaving by serving so many people. Yeah, and I hope our members can track with that. I mean, we've said many, many times that really the number one barrier for people to engage in a life of faith these days in our culture is the church's brand. The church's brand, like we together, what we represent by brand and by reputation as judgmental or hypocritical or distrustful or whatever, those are kind of the tastes that the world has in their mouth. And we have a chance to change that in how we live together personally and, and, and collectively. And, and, you know, in a lot of ways, I remember since the very early days of my, my life in ministry, We've said, hey, the, the church is supposed to be the representation of Jesus, and yet it's often the greatest barrier for people to discover Jesus. If they could only see Jesus for who he is, they'd run to him and not from him. And so, exactly. Uh, and I think a big piece of this I didn't touch on too is the idea of looking at things through a, a minority lens. Okay, so mm-hmm. so we have the traditional again back to the traditional churchgoer. How about all those folks that aren't the traditional churchgoer? There, there are still barriers. There really are for folks that aren't just like us in so many different levels, you know. And what can we intentionally do to break those barriers that have been hurtful to the people that aren't like us, whatever that means, you know. And there's so many different areas to explore and where people have not been loved or they haven't felt loved because they weren't loved. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a huge part of what we should be 
diving into, and I think we are diving into yeah. that. You also bring a huge heart for the value of belonging. Even yes. you mentioned, you know, the level that belonging uh, falls on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, from a spiritual perspective, God's heart is that everyone would know that they can belong to him. But again, in the practical manifestation of the spiritual, that that's what the church cultivates, right? Not just for itself, but on behalf of God, we cultivate this sense of belonging and this experience of not just belonging to each other, but through belonging, belonging to each other, belonging to God. Know that you know that you know that you belong to God. Um, you know, what are some some opportunities that you see in regards to that, given your previous church background, what you see today, your professional experience, that the opportunity for us to cultivate belonging for people? It's, it's an absolutely huge undertaking, and it has to be something that we intentionally just continue to put right out there. I mean, the work that has been done in the concept of love beyond belief, I think that really captures most of it. But again, keep pushing with what does that really mean in practical terms? You know, challenge some of our underlying beliefs or, or that we might not articulate, but we kind of hold to be true. Let, let's dig into this. Let's do some real big truth seeking, especially in some of those areas that I'm calling minority areas. Um, you know, I, I'm heart sick about what happens, what's happened in the past with Indigenous culture and Indigenous people, you know? How could they How could they ever possibly trust a Christian church without some really big work going on? I'm heart sick about uh, people that are part of the LGBTQ community and what has happened with the church, the broad sense of church. What can we do, you know? These are polarizing things, but the polarity cannot lead to us being in a place where people aren't being fully loved, you know? So taking on those really big things and figuring them out, I think is a really, really big piece of us and what we should be doing. Not light stuff. The board's work. No. (laughs) Uh, Hey, as we wrap things up, uh, we've got hundreds of members across all of our locations listening in and joining in on this conversation, uh, preparing to affirm the elders recommendation of you and Rick uh, at the end of the month. Uh, any kind of final encouragements or things that you'd like to share with our membership? Yeah, at this moment in time, I am both humbled and excited by uh, being part of this process. Um, there's so many opportunities to carry on doing amazing work, but it only it's based on being able to serve the people in the church well. And that's what I'm here to do. I, I welcome anybody to let me know, to, to engage with me, to, to let me know what I can do to, to serve them and to serve well as an elder. Um, I look forward to and, and trust that I'm going to be able to enter into even more relationships with people. And again, I'm here to be helpful. I don't have all the answers, but I humbly submit to the God that's brought me to this place and that keeps on working in my life. And um, no matter where you are and where you're struggling, please know that God is there and uh, open yourself up to him. He is there to come alongside and and love you and support you. Hmm. Uh, You're about to embark on uh, a bit of orientation on the board side and how the board does governance and, you know, orient to all the ministry stuff and all of the internal things Uh, But we say again and again that a a huge piece of the members of our Board of Elders is that ear-to-the-ground connection. And I hope you as a membership, especially those of us who are listening from our well-in location, that we would realize that we've got a couple 
you know, soft-hearted, Godward-focused, committed Christ followers and leaders who are now aspiring to play this role on our team of board of elders that want to be available to hear more from you and to talk church and to talk faith and to talk questions and talk struggles, talk deconstruction, talk opportunities, just to talk so that, you know, not only can we get a better heart of our community and ultimately care for our community so that as a community, we can care for the world better in a way that helps change the brand of Jesus, uh, but ultimately so that you know, we can make a better connection and foster a greater degree of belonging with all of the people across our church family in all of our locations. So really glad that you could sit down with us today, Andrea. Uh, excited for uh, your uh, ratification, what do we call it, an affirmation uh, vote uh, on June 26th. Gang, I hope that you've booked that into your uh, calendars because we're going to have that membership meeting on June 26th and some town hall Q&A about a whole bunch of other things uh, that night. It's going to be a great evening. Until then, continue to pray uh, for both Rick and Andrea in this journey of not just elder appointment, but ultimately of new orientation. I think it can be quite overwhelming. Uh, but pray for them, pray for our board, pray for that team that they can uh, serve well in that governance and oversight position because of how important it is. Uh, thanks again for uh, joining us, and we're looking forward to talking with you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.